Well, I'm excited today, not only because the Ravens are going to win. But I'm excited today because uh, for quite some time we've been uh, uh, trying to get uh, Ron DeVore from World Outreach Ministry Foundation out to our church. And we have finally connected to do so. He's got a wonderful ministry started 25 years ago uh, over in Uganda. Nearly 200 churches now planted in different countries around the world in those 25 years. Come on, that is fantastic. It's amazing what one couple can do when God begins to get a hold of 200 churches in 25 years. That is absolutely amazing. And their ministry is touching so many. My mom had an opportunity to travel over there and teach in their Bible school. I know that we're going to be partnering together and taking a trip uh, coming up soon. And so many great things happening through their ministry. I know you're going to hear about some of that today as well as an amazing word uh, from this man of God. But I, I just want to say this. I think the biggest highlight that um, I can highlight, though, is that this couple has been married for 57 years. Uh, so, you know what? There's a lot of things that happen behind certain scenes and certain ministries. But it gives me confidence to know that this couple has been married to each other for 57 years. Uh, which means you're going to get an amazing word today. Could you please welcome to this stage Pastor Ron DeVore, all the way from Uganda with World Outreach Ministry Foundation. Thank you very much. Mama Shirley and I are exactly excited that we're in your church finally. We had trouble with email and all kinds of things, and it's taken a while, but here we are, thanks to you guys and your open door. We appreciate that so much. Mama Shirley and I have been um, involved with our work overseas for about 25 years, and uh, it just keeps getting better all the time. One of the things that gets better about it is the way the American church is opening its arms to world missions, and you're part of that. When I hear your pastor speaking like he did today, and I know him now, along with his mother who worked with us in Africa, I'm, I'm thrilled to see what you already are doing, and I'm thanking God for that. I know that somehow in the future, we're going to see some of you with us and teams in the, uh, Africa. Well, now, honey, uh, you've been with me 57 years. Um, how do you feel today? <laughs> Would it be all right if I tell just a quick little story? It's the Word of God. Yeah. I, I think. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, um, my wife and I both were hungry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit when we were just 11 years old. We were in the same church, and uh, I always remember the pastor announced that we were going to have a revival starting Monday night, and come and get baptized in the Holy Ghost. You still do that here? You, you get baptized in the Holy Ghost here? All right, good. I want to make sure that my uh, theology was okay here. And, and so um, I, I remember that day at school, I fasted the whole day, probably 11 years old or something, I don't know. And uh, I fasted the whole day. And that night we went to church. In those days, because of the fact that um, if you were slain in the spirit, as we called it then, 
And the, and, and the ladies were there and the men were there. You might see the ladies' ankles and that would not be good, see. So they gave us a room over there and they gave us a room over there. All the men went that way and they started seeking the Lord. And all the ladies went that way and they started seeking the Lord. What an incredible moment. I was hungry for God. I didn't really understand it even, but I was hungry for God. And uh, I got hit by a thunderbolt that I've never seen matched since. And down I went, and boom, I was in what we called in those days slain in the spirit, for want of a better term. I'll still grab a hold of that one for the moment. And, uh, and, and after about an hour, the pastor said, nothing's happening on the ladies' side. Everything's happening over here on the men's side. Let's get this kid Ron off the floor, bring him over here. We'll let him go in and lay hands on the ladies and pray over them. And so they did. They drug me across over into that other room. I was just drunk. And uh, there was my future bride laying there on the floor with her hands in the air. And she was just kind of crying out to the Lord. I laid hands on her and God baptized her with the Holy Ghost right instantaneously. The woman whom I would marry later. Hallelujah. I've been laying hands on her almost ever since. (laughs) I wonder if you looked at my ankles. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's it's just so exciting to be with you. I would love to be here every Sunday and see what's going to happen next week. My husband and I, we're church hoppers. We're in a different church every Sunday. Actually, maybe we're investigators to see what's going on. But we just love your church. What a blessing. Uh, I wanted to show you just a tiny bit about Africa because that's our passion and our love. That's what God sent us to do. We found that it doesn't matter what kind of giftings you bring. God wants a willing and an obedient person. And with that, he can do great, mighty things. When we look back over the 25 years and see what God has done, we're probably as amazed as anybody else. Because that's not us. But that's just because we were willing to go and we're obedient to God. And every one of you qualified for that. Right here in your own neighborhood, you can pack this church out if you're willing to go to your neighbor, if you're obedient when God speaks to you. So just give up the ball. Pack this church out. When we come back next time, there's a good time. When we come back next time, we want to see this place filled up because you are willing and you are obedient. When we went to Africa, that was a long time ago, 25 years. And we really didn't have a whole lot to go on. We just went with a local kid who was going to Bible school. And he says, coming back with me. I'm going to start a church. And that's how it all began. And in those years, God has done so many things. But my very favorite, I'll just give you one. But my very favorite is our brand new baby house. But these tiny babies in Uganda are unwanted children. Maybe a young girl was raped and she's carrying a baby and she might have been 11, 12 years old. This little girl does have no hope of raising that child. And, and she's, because somebody took advantage of her, she is a cast out. She can't go back to her family. She can't go to school. So she kind of hides this thing until she gives birth. She throws it in a pit latrine or in a swamp or somewhere, maybe a garbage bin. 
and then she can go back and be a normal girl again. And we, we've been just so heartbroken over this type of thing, so we, we started taking them in. We have also, besides Baby House, we have one called Hannah's House. And Hannah's House takes in the woman. We, we tell the churches over there, if you've got this situation in your church, send the lady or send the child to Hannah's house and we'll love them through this experience. And when baby's born, we don't throw it away, but we take it to baby house and that child is raised in the arms of love. And in some cases, these babies are adopted. We have many here in America now and others that are still in our little baby house. But just one little story is about little Jovita. We found her in the village. She was two years old. She weighed 10 pounds. This little child was next to death. They brought her to us, and this is the problem, they always bring her too late. But they brought her to us, and we began to love on her and pray on her. And she had to spend some time in the hospital, but now she's back, a happy, bouncy little girl. Just because somebody loved her. Amen. We really want you to come over and see what we're doing. We're so excited. There's a million stories we can tell. And you say, if I go, I'm not a preacher. That's okay. We have a Bible school. We raise up preachers. We want you to come with your gifts of help. Come over and love, pray, help. And that's all your whole life. Okay. God bless you all. And please come Well, praise the Lord. Indeed, this is an hour when the Holy Spirit is moving in a powerful way all over the world. We do a lot of crusades. We do at least one crusade uh, every month, but normally we do about two crusades a month where we move a whole bunch of young people out into the bush. We take our tents. We drive in in our big trucks and buses, loaded, ready for bear. And in many of those villages, when we come there, the people have never seen anything like this in their life. The sides of our buses are painted up with scripture verses. Uh, they say, Yesu uh, Akwagala, which means Jesus loves you. And the sides of our uh, vans and our trucks say the same thing. On the front and the rear of our vehicles are the words, Wallo uh, Koka. And that means, are you born again? So we bring a message with us as we drive into the village. And in minutes, people are surrounding us. Sometimes they almost overwhelm us. And uh, there we are, surrounded, being overwhelmed, and getting ready for a crusade. By that afternoon, we're ready for a crusade. Uh, we build a, a kind of a crusade-looking thing, a platform. Uh, you're up here a few feet high, but you're good and solid. You can do that all day long. But on the ones that my guys build, they don't have any money hardly, and they don't have the time. They got little pokey-looking sticks like this, and they dig down on the ground put them in there and rope them all together. And let me tell you this, if you can get onto that platform, if you can just get onto it, then you've got faith enough to raise the dead. Hallelujah. That's how we test you. It's a litmus test, you know. But uh, we, we begin by preaching the Word of God, and our whole focus is reaching the lost, whatever the cost. That's one of our sayings that spread throughout the mission. And God is using the work in crusades to reach those lost people. We're reaching them by the hundreds. In our prisons, we have, um, what, 60 prisons that we work in throughout the month. And that goes on year in and year out. And we have um, our own staff that are working with the prisons. Then we have visitors like yourself who may come over. And uh, we're running three and 400 people a month being born again in the prisons. And it's just shaking up the kingdom of hell. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what God is doing.
And whenever we get um, really going strong, I'm reminded of something, and that's this. We're not strong. We're just weak. What we are is weak. But what happens is we got an awful strong God who gives us incredibly strong tools, gives us a kick in the rear, and sends us out. And the devil is nervous. The minute our equipment lands in that village, the devil starts having a nervous breakdown. This is God's way for you and I. He did not send us out just to kind of look around a little bit and be timid and wonder if somebody's going to come out and say nasty words to us. Don't bother with those things. If you're out there house to house, door to door, go right ahead. Keep on doing whatever God has set you and your pastor to do for here. And don't be worried because God, greater is he that is what? That's right. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we're out there not to have a a party and a a little game. We're out there to beat the devil at his own game. And a lot of people ask me, well, how in the world can you guys work with the Muslim religion all over the place? Actually, that's not a problem. We have a lot of Muslims, but uh, that gives us a target. You know, we want those people in the kingdom of God. Is that right? So the Lord has led us uh, to reach the Muslims. I remember uh, giving an example. Uh, one day we pulled into one of those villages with all of our equipment loaded up, ready for crusade. And uh, when we first arrived, nobody really knows that we're coming except the local chief knows that we're coming in. So when we, we come rolling in with our equipment, there were two Muslim schools we passed in the last uh, quarter of a mile or less. And both of them, one, one of the schools had absolutely no roof at all none, zero, just wide open to the sun and the stars. And the other school had no walls at all. So walls and and skylights, and that's about it. And we come rolling into our village, setting up all of our tents, because we're going to be living in tents there for four or five, six days. And uh, immediately we got people out finding where the water's at. We got other people out getting wood for our cooks to cook on. And uh, we're really rolling along. So they, they find out we're there. They hear all about it. And in this one instance, uh, it happens actually all the time, but there's one instance I remember so very well that uh, uh, they, they sent word over to us. And the word came to uh, my camp, my people. said, uh, we saw you come in with your vehicles. We know that you have an anti-HIV organization where you teach teenagers how to be uh, not involved involved with HIV and how to uh, win their way through it and uh, regain life and so forth. Uh, Could you come to our school and tell our teenagers how to live without a problem with HIV? And we send back words and say, well, we'd be delighted, but you've got to remember, we're born-again people, and wherever we go, he just leaks out all over the place. And they sent back word and said, we'll take that chance. (laughs) We sent our team over there during the uh, office hours, so to speak. In other words, before we were in the cru- actual crusade, but during the daytime. And we sent them over there. And by uh, Friday of that week, we had at least 60, if not 70, of their teenagers born again under their noses in their school. This is what God is doing. He is shaking up the kingdoms of this world. And I don't mind telling you that all it will ever do is get bigger, not, not poorer. Right. We're not even worried about money. Now, isn't that something? Yeah. Pastor, I can tell by your theology, you're not either. You, got, you, got, you know what the whole thing is. You got the rest of the story, not just the first part, the rest of the story. 
I found out in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 14, that God's covenant people should not have a financial problem. Okay, that's another story. Talk about that another time. But let me tell you how we use it for us. Is that okay? We believe that when God sends us out, he sends us out equipped to do a job. I'm not worried about whether or not I have enough money because God's going to make it all work out for us. When Shirley and I first started in this thing 25 years ago, I got $450 a month for several months before we took another step. And we found out that God took care of us during that time as well. So we're not too awfully worried about these things. We're believing God. And I remember when I was, I was here in the United States in a conference, and there was a, um, a guy there that I don't know if you would know him or not. Anyway, he was a powerful prophet. And I had known of Dick for many years. He came into Seattle, Washington. I was a businessman in those days and get down on my, uh, a little bit down. I was suffering, you might say. And I went to a meeting where uh, Dick Mills was going to be pre- uh, preaching and prophesying, hoping he would prophesy over me. And I remember so very well, at the end of the day, uh, Dick Mills hadn't even seen me. And I started walking out of the uh, ballroom where we were in a big hotel. Uh, I was very discouraged. And uh, one of my good buddies who was a great man of God running over me. He said, hey, Ron. Uh, come on in over here. We're going to have a private lunch with just 10 or 12 of us leaders, and Dick Mills will be ministering privately to each of us. Wow, I said, that'd be great. So in I went with them, and uh, we ate, and then Dick Mills starts down the row of 12 of us. And each one of us, he had a word from God right out of the Scriptures, actual Scripture words, plus he had a word in addition to that, and then he, he would, they would pass on uh, and go on out. And we got my turn and he comes up and lays his hand over me, and he said, And through your hands we'll pass millions of dollars for world missions. Oh, man, I was staggered. Millions of dollars. God's going to make a millionaire out of me. Man, isn't this wonderful? Yeah, no more worries, because if God's doing it, it can't fail anyway. Ha, 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 ha. Man, did we ever go through some stuff. I'm talking about real stuff. It was just... Seven or eight years ago, one day, uh, I happened to be reviewing some of these promises from God, and I came across that one. Wow, I said, uh, I wonder if we're even close. I never bother with money. I have a staff that handles all that stuff. But now and then, they call me into something, and then I find out. They called me in to give me a financial report, and at that point in time, we were averaging more than a million dollars a month income to the mission. And I didn't even know what was happening. Hallelujah! And, and I'll, I'll never forget that. I thought, wow, this got by me without me even knowing. I wonder how many other blessings I'm missing. So I, I started checking on some blessings a little more often. And it was wonderful to find out. As a matter of fact, you know, we had a uh, bad time here in America. What was it, 2007, when it hit America the hardest, I think. And I didn't know what was happening. I was in Africa. I had no idea what was going on. I just knew something was changing, and I, I wasn't seeing the cash flow. So I thought, what in the world's happening anyway? And I checked the cash flow, and the year before, we are right on $1.5 million. And I thought, Wow! Think of that, Lord. That's even bigger than what you said we'd be doing. So what's happening today? I checked a little bit further, and we dropped $300,000 from uh, where we were at the year before, $1.5 to where we were that day. I said, all right, the God 
who brought us this far will not dump us. We're going to come out of this thing smelling like a rose, and the devil's defeated, and he can't stop what God's doing starting today. I remember meeting with a lot of my leaders and saying, we don't have the cash that we've been having. We must stop all construction. We don't have cash for that. And uh, it was running us about $45,000 a church to build a new church made out of steel and concrete, a lifetime building in the middle of nowhere. We used them for ministry centers in places where you never would believe. It made a great ministry center as well as a great church. Now, well, what are we going to do, Lord? And, that, and back came the answer as far as I was concerned. I thought I was right, I, but I wasn't. Uh, he said, uh, I said to the Lord, I don't know what to do. And, and the only thing I know to do, God, is we'll just quit construction for a while. And if we have to uh, build a church because we're getting a situation where we need a building really badly, we'll do it the old-fashioned way. For years, we built churches using poles of wood and sticks and mud. For years, we had done that. And so we could go back to doing it again. You know, at least we'd keep moving, wouldn't we? So I, we, I'll never forget that. I went back into my office, and uh, somewhere along about in there, and I couldn't tell you the exact day, I get a phone call from this guy. I've never heard of him in my life. He says, uh, you don't know me, but uh, I'm a pastor in a church in, in Virginia. And uh, one, of, some, one of my people was with uh, some other people, and they came and visited your mission in Africa. And my people came home and told me what a great mission you guys have there, and we'd like to get involved with you. So I'm saying, God, did you hear that? This guy doesn't know there's a recession. Now he says, could you use $10,000 right now? I said, do birds fly? Wow, that shook me up because we just made the decision we weren't going to build any more churches. And this guy comes along with $10,000 and then follows it by saying, how much would it cost to build a church where you live? I'm saying to myself, we have agreed not to build any for a while. I wonder if this guy doesn't know here. Of course, he can't help it because he's a stranger to us. So God, it's not my fault if he decides to give us more money. (laughs) He said... I'd gladly give you 45000 When can you start that new church? Man, that will make you... Preachers roll over on the floor. Wow, this is incredible. And so we made arrangement for him to come uh, to see us, actually, what we're doing. In the meantime, something's happening here. Did I do something wrong? Okay. In the meantime, I get a phone call from a pastor all the way up in Fairbanks, Alaska. He says, Ron, we were with you in a crusade a few months ago. I saw you designing a new church. I oftentimes would do that right out in the bush. I'd bring out my drafting gear and draft a new building. Uh, he said, I saw you. Are you going to build that church? Um, yeah, yeah, we'll build it. I'm not sure of a day, but we'll build the church. Oh, he says, that's wonderful. How much will it cost? I said, well, about $45,000. See, all of our prices had just gone up in the year that was preceding this whole thing, and we were now paying a lot more to build a church than we were the year before and before and before. So I already knew that this, and I told him what the new reflected price was around $45,000. He said, that sounds really good. When can you start? <laughs> what? This guy over here, he hasn't heard either, Lord, that we're in recession. <laughs> I remember the him. Then we had the other guy. The other guy, in the meanwhile, had come over, got so excited about what it was like to build a church, he, he agreed to build the church, and we built the church. When we got that church built, and we had other things happening by then, 
then he comes along to me. He comes along to me, and he says, "You know that church is such a beautiful church. I think we should build another one. Do you have time to build a second church?" Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. And, and, and the next thing that happens, the guy from Anchorage, Fairbanks, Alaska, comes down, sees the new church we built, and decides, "I like this." He said to me, "What can you build now?" Well, I said, "We can build a." Uh, a school. We desperately need a school here. Look at these two buildings. That's where we saw those two horrible buildings built by the Muslims. He said, you can build a school? I said, yeah, but we have to build uh, housing for all this staff because we're so far in the bush, there's no housing for anybody. And we have to bring teachers out here. We have to have housing. He said, that's fine. What would that cost? So we put together a package, and we're building it right now. (laughs) Hallelujah. Actually, we, we, we already built the new church. We already have built the first phase of the school, and we've already built the first phase of the teacher's quarters, and where school is open and we're running at top speed right now. God is so good. See, you remember what it says in uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 35? It's better to what? Better to, to give than to receive. Wow. Is that really God saying that? It's better to give than to receive? Yeah, it's, it's God. Don't get scared. See, he, he, won't, he won't run you into the ground. He won't cause you to go into troubles. Just, just obey him, that's all. Just obey him. He doesn't make mistakes. We do. But if we obey him, it's going to come out, oh, my goodness. I'm used to Africa. We haven't even had an introduction yet. Um, would, would you do something with me this morning? I'm, I'm talking about the joy of giving in your home church, just like we have the joy of giving in our home church. When you, your comments earlier, Pastor, just touched my heart, just grabbed a hold of me. I, I, I could just preach the rest of the day on what you, and you could too. I could tell by the way you, and what you were saying. But there are so many things that God is doing by his spirit for the Muslims coming into the kingdom all during the week. On every crusade, we have Muslims coming. We just finished a crusade over there where the Muslim leader of the village met us on the way in, said, get out. We don't want you here. A few uh, hours later, we come back through, and we'd lost some things that we needed, and he comes walking up to us and says, I hear you've lost what you need. He said, I'm here to give you what you need. The same Muslim leader that kicking us out of the village, a few hours later is giving us back into the village, and he was the first one to be born again when we gave the first altar call. It's happening. Happening all over Uganda right now. We're in Sudan right now. We're, I got a small team going shortly, and we've already opened up with a big bang up there, way north in Sudan, where for years the gospel had not been preached. We did the first crusade that had ever been done there in so many years, nobody even knew. And today we have a thousand members in our newest church, and we're treating the lepers in that area. We have medical people on my staff, and we're treating the, the lepers, and they're getting healed. I don't know if you know it, but these days the medicine we have will heal leprosy. Did you know that? So that makes the church look pretty good. We come rolling in, and we can heal the leprosy and introduce them to Jesus Christ, and they will never be the same again. Hallelujah. And it's just as exciting as going to the Super Bowl. I couldn't think of anything better to say than that one. Hallelujah. We're on the way. 
We will not be stopped because God is for us. Who can be against us? May God bless you. Come see us in Africa. We can't wait to see you there. Pastor, may I turn this back to you? God bless you. Now, I hope that I have that much energy when I'm 76. <laughs> Anybody else? My friend, we'll pray for that. If they got medicine that can cure leprosy, come on, they can give medicine. Come on, they can give energy. <laughs> At the age of 76. Well, um, I know this, that God has been speaking to me as, as the pastor, and I'm sure that God's been speaking to many of you. Uh, this is going to be the year where we launch out and we do more uh, missions. And next week, we actually have uh, Dan from the San Diego Dream Center is going to be here with us, just taking about five minutes to share about what's happening here locally in San Diego uh, with the Dream Center and, and opportunities to get involved. Uh, but I want you to turn with me real quick as we uh, bring the service to a close, if you would, to Acts chapter 1. And in Acts chapter 1, once again, I'm using my iPad. On work. There it is. Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8. Uh, if you've been in church for a little while, you've heard this one before, but it says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Amen. How many want that? How many saw that on, on Ron this morning, right? The power of the Holy Spirit come upon you. But there is a purpose to the power. Uh, just like there's a purpose to the giving, there's a purpose to the power. The purpose to the power, listen to it now that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we are saved to bring salvation to other people. Now, salvation doesn't come through us, but you know what the Bible says? No one gets saved unless what? The gospel is preached. And so when we get saved, man, it is unto something. It is to share the gospel with other people. Just like we teach here, we are blessed to be a blessing. To other people. And to this morning, um, you, you know, you might be here and you might have been touched and you might think, man, I would love to go to Uganda. I would love to see it. As a matter of fact, um, uh, one of the people that used to go to our church, she's since moved to Orange County. Um, we had Stephen Kouisa, one of the pastors from over there in Uganda, preach at our church. And she was so touched that she wanted to take a trip to Uganda, which there are happening all the time. Even if our church isn't, we have connections. We can send you on a team. And she went on a team, and she went over there, and she was so moved. I don't remember how many backpacks she bought for kids. She bought shoes for the kids. Uh, she gave thousands of dollars to help uh, finish off uh, a building. And, and can I just tell you this? I know that some pastors, they would have been sitting back like, well, you should be giving that here to the local church. Right? I've been there. I've seen that. But you know what? I was jumping for joy that we could connect her with this ministry over there in Africa. And she could just go over there and literally pour thousands of dollars to the work. Because you know what? What God's doing is a lot bigger than what's happening in San Diego. Amen? What God's doing is a lot bigger than what's happening here at Canvas Church. There's great churches all across our city. People are getting ministered to. And we just want to be a part of that. But it starts right here. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it says in Jerusalem, in your own city, in your own, own region, in your own nation then to the uttermost parts of the world. So this is what I want to do. You're here this morning. You'd say, man, that sounds great. I would love to go, but I can't go. Um, you know what you can do? You can partner with them by uh, writing a check of financial provision to keep the ministry going so they can plant. I can't once again think of about 200 churches in 25 years. That's amazing. 
That is absolutely amazing. You know that the money is going to reaching the lost, and that is so exciting. But maybe you're here and you say, man, I actually want to go on a trip. They have um, some material set up in the back, and uh, I want you to make sure as you head out of here today that you stop by and that you check out the material. You find out when the trips are, even if we don't have one scheduled, and you jump on board with one of those, and you go and you be a blessing to what's taking place in Uganda. (laughs) 